Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 32. Um, Exodus chapter 32. And I, um, I was asking the Lord, you know, what my assignment would be for this meeting. And uh, it's as Pastor Jordan was talking about, you know, I was telling him, I said, you know, when you were preaching the other day, it was coming from your heart and it hit the hearts of people. And it ministers so much um, to people when you're able to preach what God is dealing with you about, what you've went through and, and different things that God's ministering to you. Maybe he's not ministering to that to other people, but he's ministering it to you. And when it comes out, it just hits you different. So this message today, I'm not going to probably have you running around and hyping you up or anything like that. It's going to be very sobering, but I believe it's going to help you. Uh, maybe realize some things or connect some things in your life, why things maybe aren't moving forward the way they should be moving forward. How many of y'all know God wants us all to move forward? And God's plan for our life is abundance, not just material things, but I mean abundance of revelation, abundance of, of all the things of the Spirit. That's God's will for our life. But it doesn't come without um, what Dad just mentioned a minute ago, consecration. And so I want to talk to you this morning about consecration, what consecration really is, and how consecration can be a great, um, a great blessing to your life. I don't think people really understand uh, what consecration really is. I don't know about you, but I'm concerned for the body of Christ. We have, we have substituted good doctrine and good Bible teaching for entertainment. We want to entertain people's flesh. We want to stroke their flesh. We want to do all those things for the flesh, but their spirit is starving. And, uh, and so there's preachers that know how to hype and know how to get people, you know, working the crowd and getting you feeling different ways, but their spirit is not taught. And so I am concerned as a pastor of the lack of doctrine that's in the church today. Um, and it's just really troubling to me to see um, the lives of people and how they think about things. And, um, and, and then the ignorance that's in the body of Christ is astounding to me. Uh, so anyway, I'm not here to correct everything. I'm not the big correct all today. I just want to talk to you about consecration and what it really means to be consecrated to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And this is what God's talking to me about. And I believe that he's talking to the body of Christ about this. If you're going to live a life of power, you're, going to, you're not going to live a life with power without consecration. And um, I know Jesus consecrated us by the Spirit. We've been consecrated into him. I know that. I realize that. But how many of y'all know you're the one who has to deal with your flesh? You have to consecrate your flesh. He consecrated you in the Spirit. But you have to consecrate your flesh. And the way you live and the way you think and the way you act and your service to God, all of these things culminate into the God that's living through you. Because if you're not sold out to God, where God can speak to you about areas of your life that you know aren't right, and you're not willing to make those wrongs right, and you're not willing to flow with God in what God is speaking to you particularly about, it's going to hinder God's power in your life. It's going to hinder revelation in your life. It's going to hinder a lot of things in your life. Yes, because really this life of living for God is a life of obedience yes, and living for him, not living for ourselves. Yes, it's living for him, putting him first. Yes, John G. Lake made this statement. He said, the place of strength and the place of victory is the place of consecration to God. The victory will come when, and I love this statement, he said that victory will come when a man grits his teeth and says, I go with God this way. Which means there are times in our life that it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us what we want to do with our life. It's going to cost, there is a cost to living a consecrated powerful, spirit-led life. There is a consequence. There is a consequence. There is a sacrifice that must be made. And I don't think the body of Christ realizes this in this pampered age that we live in. 
And, and, and I think because of that, and we don't, we don't live, we don't sacrifice things. If it, if it doesn't feel good to us, we're not going to do it. If it costs too much, we don't want to do it. It's all about me. It's all about my family. It's all about what's comfortable to me. But I got news for you. You go back in the New Testament particularly and in the Old Testament, and you see nothing but sacrifice. You see nothing but uh, selflessness. You, you see people dying for their faith. You see people standing up in the midst of, of tragedies and in the midst of whatever, standing there holding firm to the Word of God. You don't see pamperedness in there. You see people that are sold out to God. They're sold out for the things of God. Amen. And I think if we want to see the power of God really manifesting in our personal lives and in our, and in our services as a body of believers coming together, it cannot happen without a life of consecration. I believe right now God's calling us all to live a life of consecration, a life that has been separated unto God, and we live that way. Amen. And so when he made that statement, he says there that that, that victory will come when a man grits his teeth and says, I go, God, I go with God this way. In other words, it doesn't matter where people are going. It doesn't matter where the church world's going in and of itself. No, I'm going with God. I'm going with God. I'm being led by God. I'm flowing with God. I'm not flowing by what's popular. I'm not flowing by what everybody else is doing. I'm flowing with God. I'm staying with God, and I'm going to consecrate myself to God continually and ongoingly. A life of consecration is a God-centered, word-ruled life that is dedicated to following His ways. A consecrated person is a God-centered, word-centered life. That what God's word says, that's what we do. We're not going with the fad of today. We're not trying to entertain people. We're trying to teach people. We're trying to bring discipleship to people so that people can be the disciples of Jesus Christ. And being a disciple will not happen without consecration, without separating yourself from the things of this world. You know, when we're talking about consecration, we're talking about dedicating ourselves. We're talking about separating ourselves from the things of the world. Calling God is calling us out of that. And the word consecration, I think, is interesting because it also means a willingness to change. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to change the way we view things, change the way we live, change the way we talk, change the way we act. And I don't know about you, but if you're walking with God, He is always correcting you. He is always talking to you about things. He is always speaking to you about areas of your life that, and it's not works. I'm not preaching works. What I am preaching that when Jesus called us all, when we gave our life to Him, how many of y'all know it's supposed to be a selfless life? It's supposed to be a life that's completely surrendered to Him in every area of our life. And this is what brings great power into your life. That you're separating yourself from the things of the world. And you're more God-centered in your mind. You're more God-centered in your heart. You get up every day thinking about God, thinking about how to serve Him, thinking about being right with Him. He's the center of your focus. He's the center of your life. This is consecration. Amen. And you don't hear much about consecration today in the church. We're going to hear everybody's going to be rich. Everybody's going to be great. You're going to another level today, and you're going to do this today, and God's about ready to do this, and none of that's going to happen. None of that's, I'm not trying to be mean and ugly. I'm just saying none of that's going to happen without you first consecrating yourself. If you think God's going to pour his power and his, his grace upon, well, not his grace, but his power and his anointing on people that aren't consecrated, you are sadly mistaken. It's like Dad was talking about the other day, the power of God. Amen. Amen. And we're not talking about working anything. We're talking about a selfless life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is willing to do and go wherever God tells us to go. Willing to do whatever God tells us to do. Willing to change whatever God tells us to change. Willing to say, take self-assessments of our own life. What are we doing? How are we thinking? Where are we going? What is the motivation of everything we do? If the motivation of everything we do is not to build His kingdom instead of our kingdom, then our motivation is not right. Praise the Lord. Consecration is, is only possible when you give up your will about everything. Because consecration is not the act of a feeling, but an act of our own will. 
It's not a feeling. Consecration is not a feeling. Yeah. Doctrine is not a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's an act of my own will that I say, Father, I'm sold out. Yeah, yeah but what about this? Well, kind of sold out. <laughs> no. How many of y'all know God will put his finger on areas of your life that are not totally consecrated? Maybe you're on your way there, but he'll put his finger on areas of your life that he wants you to change that will enhance more of the power of God in your life. More of his power flowing through you to what Pastor Jordan said, to a lost humanity. Somebody that is so consecrated to God hears God's voice. They hear God's direction. They hear what God wants to do. And they're totally sold out to him. Are you with me? Yes, now look at this in, in, in Exodus 32. This is just a, 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 a verse of scripture that really blessed me that I hope will help you. It says in Exodus 32, of course he's talking about Moses and the children of Israel. But it says in verse 29, it says, For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today. Notice he said, Consecrate yourself. This word consecrate I thought was interesting in the Hebrew. It means to come to an end. And it means, to, it, it means to, to, to be done with something. You're coming to the end of whatever it is. In other words, I'm not going to do that no more. I'm not going to act that way no more. I've come to an end of myself in this life. I've come to an end of, of these things that I keep doing. I'm not going to do these things no more. I'm not going to go to those places no more. I'm not going to dish God's voice all the time. I'm not going to overlook his voice. He's speaking to me. I'm coming to the end of me living, but I'm coming to the beginning of him living through me. I'm coming to a place. He said, this is a place that you come to an end. In other words, I'm done. I'm done compromising. I'm done doing the things I shouldn't be doing. I'm done watching that stuff on TV. I'm done doing that on the internet. I'm done being critical of other people. I'm done being judgmental of other people. I'm done with all these things because God's been dealing with me. This is you. He's been dealing with you about areas of your life that are not consecrated, that are not in him. And God is telling and speaking to us about things in our own life. And a lot of times what we're doing is we're pushing it aside. We're making excuses why we can't change, why things aren't changing. Instead of saying, Father, I've come to the end of myself, just like Moses said, God said, consecrate yourself. Father, I'm going to consecrate myself. What in my life do you see that you want me to change? What in my life do you see that could be better consecrated to you? I am open to hear the voice of the Spirit. So he says here, for Moses has said, consecrate yourself. Notice it says yourself. That means it's your choosing. You have to choose to consecrate yourself. You have to choose this. This has to be a personal choice of yours. Just like he was preaching the other day. It's got to be a personal choice. Father, help me. Whether my wife does, my husband does, my children do, my church does, it doesn't matter. I want to consecrate myself to you. Not for the sake of power, but for the sake of my relationship with you. Because I want to know you more. I want to flow with you more. Are you with me? So he says, for Moses, consecrate yourself today. Everybody say today. See, there's no reason to delay. Consecrate yourself now. Consecrate yourself today. In other words, he's saying, listen, do something about what's not consecrated in your life. You got to do something about where you are. He said, consecrate yourself today to the Lord. Even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow. Look at this. This word bestow in the Hebrew means restore. That he may restore upon you a blessing this day. So notice this blessing, the blessing that belongs to us is not earned. But how many of y'all know we can hinder the blessing in our life through disobedience? In other words, there's some things that God wants to restore what Pastor Jordan was talking about the other day. Remember, build it back. God is wanting to restore some things. God is wanting to restore things in your life that the enemy has stolen. He's wanting to restore health. He's wanting to restore. And the blessing does that. How many of y'all know the blessing belongs to us? But notice he's connecting this to consecration. How consecrated are you? That will be the, the, the degree of the level, the blessing that flows in your life. 
how consecrated are we to God? Is it just a routine that we go through every day? Or are we really crying out to God, Father, speak to me. Father, look into my life. And Lord, I am, I am just, I'm all in. I mean, tell me in my life what you see that you don't like and areas of my life that I need to change and I will get them in Christ and I will make the adjustments that I need to make because I want to live a consecrated life. Amen. The place of consecration becomes the place of blessing. And the place of power. The place of consecration becomes the place of power and the place of blessing. We want God to bless us. We want God to bless us with revival. We want God to bless us with miracles. We want God to bless us with healing. We want God to bless us in all these areas of our life. God, we want you to do this. God, we want you to do that. And yet, if we look at our own life, we ought to ask ourselves, how consecrated are we to the things of God? Jesus paid a great price for us, but I don't know what kind of return he's getting. He paid a great price, but what kind of return is he getting on our life? Oh, God, we want revival. I want revival. I mean, revival is for the church, not the world. It's a reviving of the body of Christ. Yes, we want that. But how is that going to happen without people taking the time to pray, taking the time to consecrate themselves to pray, to pay the price for the revival. We just we show up, well, maybe today will be a revival. No, it won't. Now, when you got people coming in the doors that don't live right, couldn't care less if they were here or not. Anybody that asks them to do anything, they don't want to do it. And if they do, they grumble about it. They, they come to church only when it's convenient. They don't tithe. They don't give. And yet we want revival. See, until the church comes to a place of repentance and consecration, you're not going to see it. There has to be a move of the Spirit in the area of consecration. Where a conviction of the Spirit comes upon a body that we run to the altar and say, my God, forgive me for the way I've been living. My God, forgive me for the way I've been talking. My God, forgive me for being judgmental of other people. Forgive me for pointing my finger at other. My God, forgive me for where I've been. And when we see that kind of place that we all come to in consecration, you won't have no power problem with power. Power will show up. We're praying for the power without doing a self-assessment. Like somehow God is keeping back the power when really the power flows through consecration and through our obedience to God. So if we all come to the church, that's why God a lot of times don't move in really large places. Not that we can't have a large church. I'm not preaching that. But he particularly, just like with Azusa Street Revival, the biggest that church ever got was never past 100. But it changed the world. Never more than 100 people at one time there. Because they were consecrated. They came for a purpose. They came to move the earth. They came to make a demonstration in this earth. They came with hearts that were committed to God. Hearts that were broken. Hearts that seen a world dying and going to hell. They came into a place of consecration in their life. And that was a place of great power. And when we get to that place. That we're all in. And, and we're willing to flow with God, that's the place we need to get to. Then we'll begin to see arms grow and eyes come out, and, you know, that don't have eyes and the miracles that we've seen. That's what it's going to take. It's not going to take us just living the way we're living now and come in all of a sudden, bam, there's a revival and we didn't prepare for it. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't take great men to do great things. It only takes consecrated men. It don't take great men to do great things. It takes consecrated men. How consecrated are we? They asked Brother Hagin, they said, why don't we see a greater manifestation of the power of God? He said, because we are not conscious of his presence. We are not responsive to his presence. Because we are cluttered up with man's ideas and man's way of doing things. In other words, we can be filled with so many things that we're not even conscious of the Lord's presence in our lives. We're conscious of social media. 
We're conscious of what's playing at the movie hall. We're conscious of the latest, you know, thing on uh, Netflix and, and all these different things. We're conscious of our entertainment. And all those other things are getting our attention more than God. We're conscious of what people think about us on the internet because we're reading all of our publicity and we're reading all of our little things of what they say about us. There's a reason I don't have that because I don't care. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you. I don't have time for things that, that just waste my time. My wife can tell you, we don't hardly ever watch TV, ever. Why? Not because TV is bad. I just don't have time for it no more. I'm thinking about, Lord, you know, I'm thinking about my life. I'm thinking about, am I right with you? Is my prayer life with you, right with you? Is my fellowship time right with you? Am I right with you? Am I on track? Am I preaching what you want me to preach? Am, 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 am I doing what you want me to do? Lord, I just, I want to be right with you in every area of my life. That's a place of consecration. And I'm not perfect. I'm learning. I'm growing. Amen. But I'm a whole lot further along than I used to be. I just don't have time, as Dr. Jacob said the other day, I just don't have time for the things I used to have time for. I don't have time for it. We involve our families in so much entertainment. We carry them to the ball field and this ball field and that ball field. We're involved in everything in the natural. And yet we don't see our own children, our own lives, our spiritual lives drying up. And a hunger for the things of the Spirit dwindling. How hungry are you for the things of God? How hungry are your children for the things of God? Yes, been distracted. We are the, the distraction, like the Bible says in, in Corinthians, the distractions of the ages. We're so distracted and we're so pulled. And none of those things are bad in their place. But when I have more of a hunger for the natural things than I do for the spiritual things, something's not right. I've consecrated myself to the natural and not to the spiritual. Again, we can, we can enjoy all these things. God wants you to richly enjoy all things, but not at the cost of your relationship with God and not at the cost of your desires and hunger for the things of God. Desire follows discipline. When you discipline yourself, there will be a desire. And we've got to realize in our own life, how hungry am I? How hungry am I now compared to where I was? How hungry is my children? How hungry are we for the things of God? Happiness is not a feeling. Happiness is being right with God. It's not a feeling that everybody in my family's happy. No, it's are we right with God? Are we moving with God? Are we consecrating ourselves to God? Are we really sacrificially giving ourselves to God? Brother Hagin said, places in the spirit must be contended for. If we're going to go somewhere in our church, in our own personal life, somewhere in the realm of the spirit that God is calling us to, it's not going to happen without us contending for it. It's not going to happen without us saying, you know, I can't do that no more. I'm going to give somebody else that duty. I'm going to give somebody else that job. I've got to be about God's business. I've got to be about prayer and, and the word and doing what God wants me to. I can no longer do those things. There are things that I don't do on staff no more, not because I can't do it. I don't have time to do it, and that's why I hire people to take care of it so that I can focus my time on God. Are you with me? If we want the power of God to move in our life, in our family, in our church, there must come another level of consecration. And if not, now when? And you know, just to say, just as, just as much as I know you sitting here, you know there are things in your life that God's speaking to you about. You know there are areas of your life that aren't consecrated to God fully the way God is dealing with you. And what he's dealing with you on, he's not dealing with someone else on. But what he's dealing with you on is hindering the power of God in your life and hindering the power to flow through your life and in, and in essence, hindering the power of God in the church. 
And we've got to realize that. We've got to come to a place of repentance and say, Father, forgive me. And then once we get after it, we start moving in a place that we've never moved before. We're more consecrated. Our church is more consecrated. We see people getting saved. We're in revival in our church just about every service. Somebody's getting saved, rededicating their life. We're in revival. Because you know what we're doing? We are consecrating ourselves. Not everybody, but we're preaching it to consecrate ourselves. To prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is coming. And he's not coming back for a broke, beat up church. He's coming back for a church that is consecrated to him. A church that is on fire for him. A church that is dedicated to him. Jesus said in Luke 18, he said, when I come back, will I find faith? Will I find anybody depending on me? Will I find anybody trusting in me? Will I find anybody that's sold out? Will I find anybody that's consecrated? When I come back, will I find any of that on the earth? You, deal with, you look at Paul's ministry. Paul talked more about an apostasy than he did anything. He talked about a falling away. He talked about people going from away from the faith that were in the faith. And that's not faith for healing and faith for salvation. It's you're in the faith. You're in this, this teaching. You're, you're moving with God, but all of a sudden your morals start shifting. Things start changing in your life, and you start going in a different direction. And we see that in the church world today. What's happening with preachers? What's happening with the body of Christ? Lack of consecration. We want to be more entertained. We don't want to be convicted. We want to be entertained. We want you to tell us how great we are and where we're going and how God wants to take me to another level. And I can't even get rid of the devils that I'm dealing with. It just becomes hype, like Pastor Jordan was talking about. Just get the people emotionally worked up. Instead of, instead of thinking about where are they in their life. I hope you're getting some help out of this. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, we all want revival. We all want these things, but it's not going to happen just because we want these things. Just like Pastor George said, you have faith, but until you put action with that faith, how many of y'all know it doesn't matter that you got faith? God's consecrated us in the spirit. We've already known that when we got received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But what about our flesh? What about us? God's not going to do that. He's, going to, he's not going to tell you. To, he, he's not going to force you to stop clicking. He's not going to force you to, to do the things that, that you know you need to do. That's something I got to do. Now look over here in 2 Peter. Are you with me? 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to see this scripture here. It's 2 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, the works that are thereon, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? In all holy conversation and godliness. In verse 11 in the Amplified, it says this. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, what kind of person ought each of you to be in the meanwhile? In consecrated and holy behavior and devout and godly qualities. He said, if we really believe that Jesus is coming, I don't know when he's coming. I think it's sooner than what we think, but I'm not setting dates. But he said, if you know, just the fact you know I'm coming, and you know I'm coming for a church that's on fire, I'm not coming for lukewarm Christians that's half in, half out. He said, I'm, if you know I'm coming, what kind of person should you be? If you really believe that Jesus is coming, do you live ready? Do you live like he's coming? We should plan like he's not coming back for a thousand years, but we're ready to go today. In other words, we should live a consecrated life every day. We still have dreams. We still have visions. We still have plans. And we're reaching for them and we're moving and we're moving and we're going after them. And then if the rapture takes place, we're all out of here. But he's saying, listen, what kind of person should you be in the meanwhile? In the meanwhile. A flippant person, a person that really don't care, a person that's in, a person that's out. Come to church when it's convenient. Give when I, when I want to. 
No tithes, no, 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 no thinking of, of, of being a blessing to the local church. All self-centered, not God-centered. Doing things that I know some of you feel uncomfortable. But you know what? You need to. You might get mad at me today. Jesus made people mad. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm trying to help you to see the reason why a lot of things aren't happening that you want to happen in your life. So if we really believe Jesus is coming soon, what did he say? We ought to live a consecrated life. If we re- what kind of person ought we to be? That's the question. Well, I ought to be a person of godly character, a person of my word. My lifestyle should show it. How many of y'all know your words don't show you're consecrated? Your life does. Your life does. The way you carry yourself, the way you talk. When other people are talking about people, you keep your mouth shut. You have an encouraging word, not criticisms and judgmental and giving your opinion about things. We need to consecrate ourselves. That's another message, consecrating our mouth. Instead of always putting our mouth on something. See, people that live consecrated don't do that. We may do that. Well, no, Lord, I repent. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give my opinion. It doesn't matter. What does that matter? How's it going to change anything? He's asking you and me, what kind of person should we be? I say a person that's sold out. I say a person that God's more important than anything else. And it shows through our lifestyle. It shows through the way we talk, the way we live, the way we act, the way we do everything in life. That our life is consecrated to God. Go to 1 Thessalonians. It gets better. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. Thank you, Father. And I don't know about you. I know about me. And I know what God's dealing with me about. And I know what God's telling me. That you need to prepare yourself. You need to live like I'm coming in the next minute. Are you ready? Is your life in order? Is your family in order? Are they ready to meet the Lord? Amen. I forget my wife was telling me this the other day. I just want to make mention. I'll probably get it wrong because I don't remember the whole thrust of it, but somebody you were reading after, and they were talking about why don't we see the miracles and stuff in the church. And they said, because we stopped talking about the coming of the Lord. People aren't aware of his presence. What's that? And they stopped talking about the coming of the Lord. How many of y'all know if you really believe that he's coming, you're going to start taking assessments of your own life? You don't stop living. You don't go spend everything, go into debt, and don't do anything crazy like that. You still plan. I have vision. I have, I have a lot of things to do, just like you have a lot of things to do. So I don't go, well, God's coming back. I'm just going to stop here and wait on him. No, I'm still working toward it. I'm still moving toward it. I'm still, amen, up to that minute that he comes. But it says people have been stopped talking about his coming like he's not even coming. And if you know he's coming, what kind of person ought we to be? A person that's ready, a person that's consecrated, a person that's walking in love, a person that's walking in the power of God, a person that's winning people to Jesus, a person that's laying hands on the sick, a person that's doing something outside of the church, not just in the church. That their life is an example of God. That's a Christian. Christ-like. First Thessalonians 4, 1, it says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk. How you ought to walk. Look at this. How you ought to walk. And to please God. How many of y'all want to please God? Amen. Most of you, praise God. That's good. <laughs> and you want to please God, and you should abound. Look at this. So that you should what? Abound more and more. Notice the abounding more and more is connected to pleasing God. 
Then he says, for you know what commandment we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Commandment. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. Now, verse 4 says in the Amplified, it says that each one of you should know how to possess, control, manage his own body in consecration, purity, separated from the things that are profane and honor. Verse 7 in the Amplified says this, For God has not called us to impurity, but to consecration. He has called us to live a life of consecration. You remember in John 6, don't turn there, but you remember in John 6, they got offended at a message. Jesus started talking to them about being the bread of life. He started talking to him about himself and how they found their life in him and how they need to eat of him, that their daily life was God, that God was in the center of everything, that this should be your daily meal, me, my word, fellowship. This should be the center of everything that you do. Me, God said me. He said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. Unless I become your daily life, unless I become, you become consumed with me, you have no part in me. That's what Jesus said. And he turned to him, he said, you only want to follow me for a free meal. You're getting a free lunch. That's why you want to follow me. You only follow me for what you can get. And that's unfortunately in the body of Christ. It's like, when am I going to get blessed? When am I going to get this? When am I going to get, where's mine at? Jesus turned to them. And, they, and he said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, unless I am the center of everything that you do, unless you are sold out to me, committed to me, consecrated to me, he said, you don't have no part in me. And they said, he asked a hard thing. And they said, and they turned and served him, followed him no more. They walked right away from the greatest blessing they could have ever had. Then he turned to his disciples. He said, what are you going to do? In other words, I'm willing to start over with nobody. But I'm not willing to not consecrate myself to please people to have crowds. He was focused. Jesus said, my will, my meat, my meat, what causes me to live every day is doing the will of God. This is my meat. The eat the word fellowship with God. What is he saying? My meat is consecration. Are you with me? A consecrated life is what we're all called to reach for. And I'm not saying we're perfect. But we're working toward it. We're perfect in our spirit. And it's through our spirit we have to consecrate the flesh. It's through our spirit we tell our flesh no. Making the changes in our life every day. And I believe this is one of the lacking things in many believers' life is a lack of consecration. Because I believe it's one of the leading things in preachers' lives. Is a lack of consecration. More concerned about, like Pastor Jordan said, more concerned about the size of our platform instead of the person standing behind the platform. Living a consecrated life that your message hits them in the heart. Whether they stay or whether they go, I want to please God. I want to live my life consecrated to Him. Now let's look over here uh, in Luke Chapter 14. I, I see the clock up there. Luke 14. It's like Dr. Jacobs was saying last night, so busy. Dr. Dufresne used to say that, busy, 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 busy. Busy, 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 busy. I'm so grateful that I was on that trip in Kuwait. Changed my life. It was worth 800000 not just 8000 Amen. Luke chapter 14, this brings it to home here. Then said he unto him, a certain man, verse 16, a certain man bade him a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden or invited, 
It's talking really the body of Christ, those that are born again. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another, notice what this says, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> Why? Because she's more important. My land's more important. My oxen or my job or my career is more important. He, all these things are more important than your things. When our things become more important than God's things, we are in trouble. He said, listen, he said, I have prepared all this. It's all been prepared for you. It's already been done for you. How many of y'all know Jesus already did it? He already paid the price. All this is done. All you got to do is come. All you got to do is yield. All you got to do is come to me. We can't do that. And every one of them were already filled with excuses. The excuses were a direct reflection of their consecration. You see how consecrated they are by the way they respond. They said, no, we, we got other things to do. Everything is more important than God. This is not a God-centered life, but a me-centered life. In Matthew's account, Matthew 22 and verse 5, it says they made light of it. They made light of it. It's no big deal. It's just a supper. It's just a service. We got to go to the ball field. We can't go to church Wednesday night. Don't Pastor Jordan know we got club? We got club sports Wednesday night. I got, I got my job. I got this. I got that. That's, that's what he's talking about. What, what about my things? God said, what about my things? You're making light of the local church? You're making light of the things of the Spirit? What are you supplementing for? What are you supplementing gold for brass? Why is the church not as important as it used to be? Once in your mind, it held a place in your mind of honor. It held a place of mind and honor and, and, and something that you respected and something that you love and something that you look forward to. What has happened to you that you can't even find yourself to come to church on Wednesday and Sunday or any time the doors were open? I don't know about you, but when I was in this church, we were here every time those doors were open. But he's saying here, people are so full of excuses. Why we can't serve. Why we can't do this. Why we can't do that. Why we can't show up at church. Why we can't be involved. Why we can't pray. Why we can't read our Bible. Why we don't have time for God. It's a consecration. Consecrated life. Matthew's account said they made light of it. Another translation says the, uh, the invited guests were not impressed. Not impressed with the local church no more. Just Pastor Jordan and Dr. Jacobs. So we got familiarity. We're just familiar. And we're not impressed. We're not impressed. And that doesn't mean people are bad. It doesn't mean people are evil. It's just they're being swayed. been swayed and that's what Paul said in this last day this is exactly what's going to happen people slowly and in the Greek it's written it's so slow you can't even tell so you start drifting away so slowly from God you don't even realize it until your goals have changed your appetite has changed The way you view church has changed. The way you view God has changed. The way you view raising your children has changed. Everything morality has changed. Then I'm more acceptant of other lifestyles, of other things. And then I once was in the faith, and now I'm no longer in the faith. Why? Because of a lack of consecration. God said, I've prepared all these things, and you can't even find yourself to come. They were, given, they were given lesser priorities, greater attention. Yeah. 
Why? Because of a lack of consecration. Verse 21, he said, So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house was angry, said unto his servants, Go out quickly into the street and the lane of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. In other words, he's saying, listen, they don't want it. They don't notice they were invited. These were invited guests. But yet it was no big deal. He said, they don't want it. I'm going to give it to somebody else. That's what he's saying. And the Lord said, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now watch this. He said, for I say unto you that none of those men, none of those men which were bidden or invited shall taste of my supper. The word taste means the goodness of God. He said, none of these that I invited, none of these that have an open invitation, and this is really connected to Revelation chapter 19 where he's talking about the supper of the Lamb. He said, I've invited them all. I've already got everything set up. I've got everything all ready to go. But you know what the problem is? They are not ready. I've got everything ready. How many of y'all know God's got everything ready? It's not a matter of God having everything ready. It's about us having ourselves ready. And so now we see this. He said, you know, none of them, none of them are going to partake in this. Just like he says in Matthew 25 with the 10 virgins, five of them came, five of them didn't, which means 50% of the church is false. Want to be at the mill, want to be gone, want to stay. People aren't ready. You know why we're not ready? Because we're so entertained and we're so enamored with everything else and we're so busy and we're so occupied with things that don't even matter. It don't matter. Why does social media matter to you so much? Why does someone's opinion about you matter so much? And why doesn't the church matter? Why doesn't the, the things of God matter? Why doesn't the local church matter? Why doesn't it matter to you that you don't serve? Why does it not matter? Why does it not bother you that you're not involved? Why does it not involve you that you don't bring your tithe? You don't bring your offering? You don't, why does that not bother you? Lack of consecration. No consecration. It don't bother you. No big deal. Good movie on tonight. Got NFL going tonight. Got to see the gods in the round circle. See all these different things going on that surround us. And the local church is set aside. And he said, all those that, are, all those that have been invited... They ain't coming. Sobering. I didn't say that. He said it. And there went out a great multitude with them and turned and said unto him, If any man, look at this, if any man come to me, Jesus' words, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life. That's every part of your life. Anybody in your life, anything that you have in your life, any career, whatever. He said, anybody that comes to me and does not hate them, which not mean hate. God doesn't want, God, how many of y'all know we don't hate? It means love less in the Greek. Yeah. Anybody that comes and doesn't love less their mother, their, their wife, their sister, and et cetera, et cetera, all the things that they have. Look what he says, cannot be my disciple. There is a cost of consecration, and there is a cost to be a disciple. And whoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Now, I know there's grace, and I know God's grace is merciful, and his tender mercies are wonderful and all that. All I'm simply saying is not trying to preach you under condemnation. It's conviction. And it's not about works, and it's not about earning. It's about us positioning ourselves under a place of consecration so that God's power can flow unhindered in our life to reach a lost world. But we are so, if we're so caught up in the world, how can the power of God flow through us to the world? Amen. 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 Yes, 
Doesn't it bother you that the church is now married to the world? We're so caught up in entertainment and all of our things that we want to entertain people. It's like a going to a theater. Put on a show. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how wonderful I am. Put on a show for me. I don't hear none of that doctrine stuff. I don't want to hear about where I need to change. I'm going to go down here where they'll tell me what I need to hear. And then keep living the same way. No power, no vision, no focus, no direction, no blessing. And be okay with it. Well, hallelujah. This, this, I'm going to stop. Just hang on. This needs to cause us to judge ourselves. To judge ourselves. Not judge your neighbor. Not point to him and say, he's talking to you. Do it. You judge yourself. So we have to judge ourselves. Pastor Nancy made this statement. She said, the container you offer is the container he will fill. How much of you you offer to God will be the how much he's going to fill. I know we can't get more of God, but we can give more of us to God. God lives in us. But we can give more of those areas of our life to God. And he may say, you know what you're doing here is not bad. It's just too much. You're not giving me the place I need to get you to the place you need. So there's got to be a different level of consecration. And all of us are different. It's what is God speaking to you about? Brother Summerall made this, uh, this statement. He said, I don't believe the world has ever seen what can happen through a man who gives his all to God. In other words, fully consecrated. Mm-hmm. Listen to what he says. I don't believe the world has ever seen what can happen through a man or a woman who gives his all to God. Total consecration. Then he said this, so be that man. Because the world hadn't seen that man yet. Jesus was the only one. Jesus lived his life totally consecrated to God. And what was flowing through Jesus' life? Power. Power. You realize that the Gospels, the four, four Gospels are only less than 50 days of his whole three and a half years of ministry. Because the Bible says the world couldn't hold the books. Because literally every time Jesus was taking a step, there was miracles. Miracles every day, every day, constantly, ongoing, all the time. How did that happen? Because he said in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to be about my father's business. And how he grew in the wisdom and the stature and the favor of God and man. What did he say? I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to consecrate myself to what God has called me to do. So that I can do my best for him. And I love that statement. It says, I don't believe the world has ever seen what can happen through a man or a woman who gives his all to God. So be that man. Living a consecrated life is what God's called us all to. And I'm going to read this scripture and I'll be done. Hebrews, and just just listen to the scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Notice what it says, strive and live to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration. We are to pursue this. And I am to pursue it by asking God, Father, am I where you, I need to be? Am I doing the things you told me to do? Have I gotten off? Have I, have I introduced things into my life that you didn't introduce? Am I consecrated enough to really hear God? Is my spiritual ears really open to God? Am I willing to make the changes that God wants me to make? He said we have to pursue consecration. If I'm pursuing it, then I'm talking to God about it. I'm pursuing God. I'm pursuing consecration. And God is always speaking to me about things. You don't need to say anything about that. I told my wife that the other day. I said I have no opinion on it. I'm not putting my mouth on it. I'm holding my tongue. Why? It's none of my business. Amen. It's none of my business. 
I want to be consecrated in my mouth, consecrated with my words, consecrated with where I go, consecrated with my eyes, my ears. Not listening and seeing things that, that's going to hurt the anointing on my life or hurt my relationship with God. I want to live a consecrated life. I am not perfect, but I am striving for it every day. And just think if our church lived this way. There would be no problem with power. Because God would bless the people with his presence. You know why? Because we've been living in it all week. And we're bringing it to the local church. Where there's power flowing. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, in verse 17 and 18, it says, Come out from among the world, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And I'll be a father unto you, and I'll walk in you, and I'll be in you. And how many of y'all know, he, he says there in those verses, what do you have to do with idols, and what do you have to do with this, and what do you have to do with that? He said, no, come out, separate yourself. That's me choosing. I'm choosing to separate myself. Sometimes it separates you from people. You know, I was thinking about Dr. Jacobs years ago. Of course, we've been with him for 30-something years. And, but I just remember over the years, and this isn't a critical statement, but I remember when Dr. Dufresne got into his life, it changed everything. And it separated him from a lot of preachers and a lot of people that didn't want to go in that direction. And really, it was more Dr. Jacobs just consecrating himself to what God told him to do with Dr. Jacobs. And he centered up on that. And look where it's taken him. It separates you from people, but it connects you to others. So living a consecrated life is not easy, but it's called for. Did you hear what I just said? It's called for. It's not easy, but it's called for. Consecration is not easy, but it's what's called for. And that's what God is wanting us to do in this hour. Now, I've been under one hour, 58 minutes, so I did really good. Praise the Lord. I, I do have one thing I'd like to do. Uh, if we could just stand up for just a moment. Praise the Lord. My wife asked me if I, I didn't really have anything by way of the Holy Ghost other than just leading us, if it's okay with you, Dad, just to lead us in a prayer of repentance. You know, where if you feel like uh, in your heart, if you feel like that God has convicted you about something, it doesn't matter what it is. I think in this moment we need to make it right. Yes, we need to make it right with God, not in a place that's condemning us, but out of a place of conviction that we need to get things right in our life. And you leave this place today as you do leave and let God continue to speak to you. He's not condemning you. That's the devil. He'll convict you. And it's often the thing he's been dealing with you already about. But you have to come to a place that you say, I'm willing to consecrate, Father. I hear you. And I say yes and amen. I want to be, like John said, I must decrease, but he must increase. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to decrease us and increase him. Letting him live through our life. Letting him live through our mind and, and our thoughts and our eyes and our words and our life. Where people come in contact with you, they come in contact with God. And something's different about you. That's why Smith Wigglesworth can get on a bus and people will get on their knees and repent. Why? He lived a life of consecration. Consecration. So that's a life of great power. Few people want to do it, but I'm willing. It starts with just being willing. Amen. So I'm going to have this word of prayer. And if you want to pray this after me, you certainly can. Just say this to Heavenly Father. I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I hear your word today. And I agree with your word. And I ask you right now to forgive me of the areas of my life that haven't been consecrated to the level I know they should be. So I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, I make a commitment to you to walk in consecration, to listen to your voice, to obey your voice so that I can walk closer to you. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I've come to a place of the end in my own will and my own life. And I ask you now to take over and to help me to live a greater life of consecration before you. So I dedicate myself wholeheartedly to you. And I thank you right now. 
In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. That's all I had today. I didn't have anything other than that, Dad, so I'm good. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.